1: Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm, uh, Jesus, I'm so messed up I can't even do this right. I'm joined <laughs> as always by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Dagen, thank you for joining me today.
2: I should do the, the turn in the chair thing. Why does no one ever do that?
1: Oh, like, you know, like, like 2020 where it's like Hugh Downs. <laughs> right.
2: you know. well, what was the other thing, Ma- Masterpiece Theater or the one on Sesame Street? Monsterpiece Theater? Monsterpiece?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, g- well you watch down. So whenever they introduce that on PBS, it's always Laura Linney. And it's like, I'm Laura Linney and this is <laughs> Masterpiece Theater. You know, Masterpiece <laughs> Classics. So proper. I love that kind of stuff. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. Timeless. I fumbled. The, I fumbled the intro. Well, it's just the way it's going to have to be. This is
2: what, this is what happens.
1: It's going to be a little bit of a weird episode because so there's two things going on. Number one is I never like to miss a week. We've never missed a week on the show. The second thing is, is I got my second COVID shot yesterday and I feel a little loopy. Like I don't feel sick at all. I felt a little sick yet like last night, but I've drank a lot of water and I I had a good night's sleep or whatever. But I just feel like so tired, like I'm being sucked back down into into, you know, the sleep, the sleepy world. This is uh, what I hear. The second
2: monster. shot is like,
1: yeah, I'm not there yet. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so you got yours.
2: Yeah, you Number got one.
1: Pfizer. Yes.
2: Yeah. Got the Pfizer shot. Cool.
1: Good. I my uh, own Pfizer stock, so everyone should go get Pfizer. Oh, you. Did. As soon <laughs> you as don't possible.
2: have the Pfizer shot though.
1: No, I did. I did get the Pfizer.
2: Oh, shot. you did. Get I that. wanted okay. the. Jo- so I the wanted boat. the
1: Johnson and Johnson shot. So the story I had told, I don't know if it was on this show, but I don't remember anything I say anymore. But I me went either. to CVS a couple of weeks ago to get like my, you know, psychiatric meds and they were like, oh, do you want the Johnson and Johnson shot? And I'm like, yes, but I already have the fi- the first Pfizer shot. Like this is the shot I had wanted. I literally could have just walked in, like stumbled into CVS.
2: Same thing happened into- to me. Yeah, same, same exact thing. They have a whole clinic here where the old supermarket was and they had a billboard like Johnson, J&J and Pfizer available right like the day after I got the Pfizer shot. You know, it's just it's not a huge deal, but you don't want to go twice if you could avoid it. Right? Yeah, it's like the what
1: I understand, as I understand it, the Johnson and Johnson shot is more predicated on like normal vaccine vaccination technology, let's okay. say, as opposed that. to this MRNA stuff that I guess is being used in Pfizer and Moderna and a few others. OK, so I think that's what like they're already talking about how we're going to need a booster in September. I don't really mind any of that stuff. Oh. I'm actually incredibly impressed by this whole thing. Now, Mike and I were talking about it. I was saying, you know, I hate the government, but I have to give it up to them. The United States government has responded ultimately probably better than any country in the world of scale. I mean, obviously there were countries like South Korea and others that really tamped it down immediately, but we had a high death count, horrible in the beginning, a lot of lack of discipline. But there's so much vaccine here that we can't give it away like you can't even get people to get vaccines. Anymore. Isn't
2: that crazy? So and you got kind of to feel bad. We,
1: and I was saying to Michael, we should just start giving it away to other countries. I know we're already doing that. We have like a bunch of AstraZeneca that we bought that we don't even want. And we're giving that to India. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm saying all of that because we were going to do a specific episode today. And mm-hmm. I'm so loopy that I thought we would just <laughs> and I don't know how it's going to how it's going to play out. But instead of that, I thought we would just do an analysis of the show, how we're feeling about the show and i i sat in my backyard before i came on today and rush was out there digging through all the dirt my backyard looks like you know
2: he must be in his glory right now oh my god he, <laughs> he loves it back there.
1: he's chewing on like old mangled roots from god knows when the neolithic era <laughs> by the way i've been finding old plastic like i've been dig I'm, I think I told you my neighbors probably think I'm a little crazy cuz I'm like I'm like going through everything like all the time. So they're probably like watching me like, out their window being like what gear, the fuck. Ar- but I'm like 36 ar- years ar- old ar- and I I just want to go back there and look. But then I'm trying to like piece together what's happened here because I, there's like old burn marks, like lots of burn marks underneath like the ground as you dig down oh, and then and but also a couple layers down there's like just really old plastic. And I was like, something was going on here before hmm. they even built this neighborhood, like some sort of industrial something. Interesting. So I've been having a really good time back there, but Russia's having an even better time. But anyway, <laughs> and God knows when this thing's going to be done. I mean, who knows? I was I was talking to my I was walking by my neighbors were out front, and like, oh yeah, we're gonna be. Uh, they were like in the kiddie pool, like their kids, and they're like, oh, they, they'll be you'll be in your pool, you know, in the coming weeks, right? And I'm like, yeah, maybe
2: the coming years. <laughs> So no projected end date from the pool people like they're not. No. So now, committing? like
1: the reason I'm understanding why this takes so long now is because there are all of these steps where which is good, where they have to get it inspected, which is good. So okay. it's like building a house. Okay. It's like, OK, this is like the, so they put the walls up. Looks at a hockey arena, like you said, yeah. I think in our group text or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe on Twitter. I don't remember where you said that, but. So the and what's interesting is because my my backyard falls at a grade like it it drops like three feet from front to back or something like that. Okay. The corner of the pool, there's only one corner of the pool that is below like actually below ground. The rest is going to have to be filled in like all the way underground. Gotcha. So like there's going to be a retaining wall built, so it's kind of like jutting out, and so it's quite the complex engineering. Interesting. Feat, what they're doing. I mean, not the let's not call it an engineering feat. Let's call it engineering. It's not like a modern Marvel by any stretch of the imagination. But (laughs) but like there's more to it than meets the eye. So I'm trying to be patient with them. They're nice. I did have like a a little bit of a confrontation with the guy like a month ago, which I feel kind of bad about now. So I've been trying to kind of lay off.
2: Yeah, because I know it's I know it's I
1: know there's more. I am watching what they're doing and it's like there's a lot to it. I'm not saying it's like, oh, I'm sure. It's like you got to bring in the trucks now to get the dirt, get rid of the dirt. Can't get rid of too much of the dirt because we need it. You got to yeah, do the math. You yeah, got to yeah, do the right. volumetric geometry to figure out how much dirt goes back in the hole. There's a lot like I was watching them, like measure everything out. And like it's kind of I was like, wow, this is kind of I actually texted the dude. I was like, it's kind of impressive. I, I really didn't. I think I said to him, this is more complicated than anything I've ever done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what did so, he say to that?
1: Oh, he, he's pretty quiet, but he's like, "Yeah, thanks. You know, he always has like some, you know, just the next thing to say and. Very much like my accountant, where he just disappears and then he then then he reappears. Like my my accountant came back on the scene with urgency a couple of weeks ago, man. Like after just disappearing for God knows what, and he's like, we gotta. Taxi. He's talking to me on like Saturday, you know. and He's like, we gotta we gotta file and all. That. I'm like, I got you all this stuff. <laughs> the.
2: <laughs> it's so smart
1: though.
2: <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> this way you can't
1: bother them until they're ready. Right. It's it's just it's it is hysterical. Just popping back up. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I love that guy. My my accountant's great. He's uh, he's a funny guy. Okay, so what I thought I would do dig is I wanted I wrote down 10 questions. That's why I brought up the backyard. I have no idea what I need to see. This is what I'm talking about with the loopiness. I sat in the (laughs) backyard. Rush was going around in the dirt and and whatever. I'm I'm secretly seething that my pool's not done yet. It's 95 degrees outside. I'm like, this is unbelievable. That's not helping. No, no. But then I got past all that and I have my my legal notepad and I just wrote down 10 inquiries that I wanted to ask you about the show to get deeper into how we do the show and why we do the show. But I think also the way it's affected your life. Sure. And I figured what I would call the show. This particular episode is an, an an analysis, which actually probably I maybe shouldn't call it that because it sounds horrible. <laughs> but maybe I'll call it something an analysis <laughs> An analysis. Yeah, I don't think we can call well, it that, but maybe we'll call it something else. Maybe I will call it that. And this will allow us to just kind of talk and chat about the show. And I think give better credence to the topics that we were going to do the next two episodes sure I don't want to do any of them badly because I'm out of my mind I also don't want to miss you know an episode or a week we've never done absolutely
2: that. absolutely I hear you dude yeah, yeah the next two episodes are biggies you know they're relatively big especially I would say the next one next one and then and then one the following is important and why not do a little state of the union it's been a yeah. while we've been doing yeah. the show a while it sounds
1: fun I could call it state of the union I'm writing that down but then people are going to think that it's our remembrances of State of the Union addresses, which would be weird. That would be a weird knockback <laughs> That I would be up your do. alley. But that I don't would be a remember anything about any State of the Union address. Pretty much. Oh, OK. Honest. Yeah, there's it's always it's way too much clapping. It's so boring. You just read the transcript right later. You can read it in five seconds. That's actually it's good advice. Much. Yeah. I just don't like, even listen to yeah, it. It's yeah, horrible I like that. All right, Dave, how is knockback different Mm. than you would expected it would be. We started doing the show February 2018. We're recording this at the end of May 2021. You were an experienced podcast listener, but you were never podcasted before. I mean, what were your expectations for the show? And has the show morphed into something different than you thought it would be? That's a great great question.
2: I feel like that's a multi-pronged thing because, yeah, I think it's important to say what you said. I was a very rabid podcast listener. Up to the point of doing the show, and I think even before that, I would argue I talk about this sometimes. But I was really into talk shows, like listening to Charlie Rose, especially on YouTube back in the day. Uh, even before the really the advent of podcasts, listening to National Public Radio a lot. Um, even go, getting into old Dick Cavett talk shows, like I really just love and reading biographies. I really just love. To listen and and hear people talk about the things that they're passionate about it fuels me and it doesn't have to be the same things I'm passionate about we could I could be talking about musicians or politicians Painters any any sort of artists directors, whatever. I find it really fascinating for people to be engaged in really thoughtful conversations about About any really about anything as long as the conversation is is intelligent and there's some passion there I really dig that so I always envisioned, and I think I was, oh, I talk about this sometimes too. I think I was always kind of an armchair podcaster. Like I would think while I'm listening to my favorite shows or even shows that I didn't find that to be that great, I would always be in the back of my head, like thinking like, oh no, I would have said that here. Or I would have, this would have been a perfect opportune moment to make this joke. Or, you know, they, they, they missed like 10 bullet points of talking about this specific piece of content that I definitely would have delved into myself had I had this conversation so coming into the show I was really surprised that you would ask me to do it Um, although it was like kind of like I realized like wow this is like kind of like a dream come true like this is kind of what you what you've been wanting to do since you started listening to talk shows and podcasts and wanting to basically live up to the challenge of co-chairing a thing with you being of experienced, seasoned guy and very sought-after guy and also very just a very intelligent dude and also, just wanting to Tell make me it more. <laughs> <laughs> two two main facets that I thought the show should be. I thought we should be. We were going to be talking about nerd culture slash pop culture topics. Mm. So I wanted to make sure that we brought something new to the table, whether it was our personalities or our certain perspectives or takes on the content we were talking about, or just something new that really didn't pop up too often in conversation as per said topic, things that maybe a lot of people didn't know about just adding something new to the conversation. And also I think the humor and the personality is important, but that's, that's a hard thing to, to kind of quantify because I think that's something that's genuine. And I just just think that comes from that just comes from the authentic nature of the people doing the podcast. I think what so, so I was always very nervous. I think only until very recently am I much less calm going into a show? You and I were talking about this recently. Mm. I would say for the first the first 100 to 125 podcasts, I was pretty nervous going in because I I wanted to perform up to snuff and, and be thoughtful and be articulate and hopefully add a little humor. The one thing that you can't really account for going in is though even you and I have always clicked personality-wise as brothers, right? We've always gotten along amazing. And that... You know, that's something that those of us with siblings know, that's not always a given just because you're a sibling. You know, there's always a lot of, there's a lot of nuance there to how people are going to get along. So one thing that wasn't surprising to me, but that was definitely, I would say, satisfying for me was knowing how well we hit it off in, in, in the nature of just sitting here for a couple hours doing a podcast together and how well we click. I don't even think about that. I hear the feedback from people saying like, one of my favorite things is your chemistry with your brother and how well you guys get along and your banter and how natural it is. And that's something that is completely 100% natural. And I think we're very lucky to have that, you know, something that we don't have to work on. We have to research. We have to write. We have to get into topics. Sometimes we have to dig a little bit. We have to make the time. We have to look presentable now that we're on camera, you know, God forbid. Well, within reason.
1: Yeah, I'm not really even trying. But but
2: we have yeah, that. And th- so that's been a huge that's been a huge payoff for me too. And you know, just being afforded with the opportunity I've always loved art. I've always loved animation. That's what I do for a living. But to have another thing that you're passionate about. That came pretty late in life for me. I mean, I really didn't realize how much I loved doing podcasting or how how much I would have enjoyed it until I was probably late in my 30s or early in my 40s so sort of a late sort of a late gift and and a surprise in itself to be able to do this
1: yeah very well said I it's I remember I remember in the beginning being nervous because I wanted to really protect you because I knew I know how the internet is I, I came up at IGN and it's a really brutal place to write Oh, God, and I be a, a be a like the fact that like people didn't hate me. There was amazing because the, the comments are just <laughs> brutal <sighs> there. And and I just am, I don't care about that stuff with people that I kn- I've done this with before because they know how it goes and people kind of deal with that in different ways. I've been with people that are very thick skinned and really authentically don't care. I've been with people that pretend they don't care. And I've been with people certainly that do care a great deal. Sure. I'm probably somewhere in the middle somewhere. Uh, getting much more thick skinned as I go and much less combative than I used to be. I mean, if you read my Twitter account from when I was you know, 25, it's a lot different than it is now. But not feeling like I needed to protect you anymore. Kind of early was nice because I used to edit before. I guess I edited the first, I don't know, 40 or 50 episodes of Knockback. Yeah, myself. I think so. And which I, I can't believe I used to do that. I have no idea like when I used to not work so much work. From the first like two thousand seventeen and twenty eighteen was pretty rough. I remember that. And I used to edit it very carefully, much to I wanted to protect Dagan as well, like make him sound as good as he could. Not not that I'm like rearranging his words on like a Nixon tape or something. I'm just saying like we're <laughs> trying to the ums and the uhs and really trying to sit with Dagan and give him like honest feedback. Cause I still um and uh and buy time, but it I tried to crash teach him course. What did I I, one of the things that I taught you that I really know is the way to buy time on podcasts is to use the words. But and so then just anything, even if it's non sequitur, even if it doesn't make sense with the next thing you say. Right. And I remember telling you that even though I don't always buy that as well. And I really tune in when people are bad podcasters. I listen to a lot of political podcasts and stuff and I'm just like, oh, I can't stand some of these people and you get rid of them really quickly. So I was really heartened by how quickly you came to be good at it, how natural you were and how I think that through osmosis, people can become good at things without ever doing them if they expose themselves enough to it. It's not to say that if you watch Bob Ross, you'll be able to paint like beautiful landscapes. But I bet you someone that watched Bob like just someone that watched Bob Ross, it could potentially be a pretty advanced artist when they pick up a paintbrush because they've just watched and listened. and And so they have some sort of semblance of how to approach the situation. And I think that that we saw that with you. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. That was that was like one of the ways that the show was most different. And I think it's still I still think this is our most different show, which is why I really enjoy doing it. It's, It's totally different.
0: When you Angie that download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: My my second question for you, Dave, is a little bit of a, a different one, but and I don't know if you have an answer for this or you want to talk about it publicly. Yeah, I could talk about it more generally myself. But have you met anyone through the show like that you would consider a friend now, like a personal friend, someone that you might like text with or someone that you've met or anything like that? Or have you remained pretty sealed off?
2: Yeah, you know what? That's a that's a really great question. I mean, for the, my first thought is just the community that I've met via social media through doing the show on Twitter and Instagram, especially on Twitter, because I feel like Instagram is still more on the animation artistic side of my personal connections, but Twitter especially. And what's been cool about that is knowing the historical, sometimes toxicity of Twitter specifically, and just meeting so many cool people on there. And very rarely have an experience where someone comes at me or is toxic or has a problem with something I said or something. That's been pretty, pretty awesome. I consider the co- our, our knockback community is interesting because I'm not a huge social media guy. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with social media. Sometimes I get really frustrated with it. I feel like sometimes it can make people look, I would say, vain. You know, I think there's a lot of vanity involved with social media, especially if you're bigger. I think you have to be really careful of that. At least for me, that's my personality. I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to that. You know, it seems very self-serving. Sometimes it seems very self-indulgent. I really enjoy just making people laugh or making somebody smile or saying, you know, you're a dork or whatever. That's really the extent. I, I use it, you know, really simply like that. I try not to get too political. I try not to be too opinionated because that's not really me. You know, I think social media, my social media presence is an extension of who I am Mm. just in real life. And what's been nice about it is that I am, I do have an introverted side. I'm a shy person and I, I'm a relatively private person. So it's been nice to a nice way to afford myself with coming out of my skin a little bit and just sharing myself and, you know, sharing the things I'm interested in. And I have met some people that, Maybe one or two that you've introduced me to. I consider there's a lot of people that I go back and forth with, whether it's just through straight up tweeting or in my DMs that are that have become regulars. People that interact with me and I try to be responsive. I also don't have a huge, quote unquote, fan base, so it's easy to be able to reciprocate and answer people. And relative, even if it's if it's that night or something and I miss six DMs, I could get in there and, and try to respond to people. Just in being responsive. And trying to give back to people that listen to the show. You know, as we say, like, it's so crazy. Like, people have such a variety of things to listen to. The fact that people listen to Knockback, I'm really honored by that. And it really uh, means a lot to me. So I try to reciprocate in that way, which is getting back and saying, thank you, or this is amazing, or you made me laugh, or you made my day, or something. But we, I've met a few people through you. I think about guys immediately, like our friend Jono in Australia. Um, who's become, who's a podcaster himself and who's become a really, I would consider a good friend and you know, others too, where it's like, wow, it's amazing. And one of the pluses of social media that we all know is like, you can actually make tangible, actual friends that go beyond just the social media sphere that just go beyond like, you know, text on a, on an app. And actually feel like you really get to know somebody without ever meeting them. And there's been, there's definitely been a handful of those people even through this short amount of time. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. It's really, uh, it's really kind of neat. And it, you know, again, it touches me that people would think highly enough of me to take the time to reach out and get in touch and try to, you know, form some sort of relationship. I mean, that's the ultimate honor.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. I, I. Usually keep people at arm's length uh, just because I feel like that's the most consistent. I used to be much more bendy and malleable when I was at IGN early on because I was so not used to dealing with what you would call a fan base or people that want your time. And I've kind of had to manage that. Like, I can't get I'm going to keep most people at arm's length. I'm not going to get into these huge ordeals with people. And but I, I think you'll you'll find thousands of people over time that have had personal correspondence with me at this point through last day media and I do take the time to reach out to everyone that w- writes in to me. Sometimes we have a really long conversation. Sometimes I just write a few words or a few thoughts. But sometimes I write more than the person that wrote to me. And it's it's interesting. But but I also try to keep things consistent. Like people ask me to do share this or do this or read this or give feedback in this I'm like I can't do that for you that typically. That's because then that just opens up a whole can of worms. I but occasionally imagine. a person walks in your life through the show or through Last Stand where I'm like, wow, this is a person that's kind of around now. And obviously, Dustin started like that. And he's like a personal sure. friend and like my constantly area now. But I, I think about some other people, too. Uh, I won't use last names, but I'm friendly with a guy named more friends with a guy named Mike now who lives in Philadelphia. We made a connection through GI Joe, through me talking about GI Joe on this show and on other shows, and he's basically like we've traded a few times and stuff, but we text often, and he always just lets me know when things are on sale, and like he's like my advisor, my GI Great Joe guy. advisor basically. I know exactly yeah. what
2: you're talking about. Awesome yeah, dude. R-
1: yeah, really nice man awesome. and uh, or, or guy. Yeah, he's not. I hate using the word man. And then <laughs> not because it's like you know none of that, but you know it just makes me feel old. And so there are people like that, and I always think about my old roommate Mike Mitchell who I lived with for five years, who I met through podcasts beyond. It. it was just really weird, but those things happen once in a while. So I was just curious if you had made any connections through the show. I the, and of course,
2: how you handle that call. I don't yeah. even know how. I honestly don't know how it would be with your level of attention, with your level of, of fan base, you know, with your level, the level of people that just the sheer quantity of people that want to be in touch with you, that want a piece of your time, that want to interact with you, that would feel like you know, that look upon you as a celebrity, I, I think you you told the line so so perfectly, like you're a great example of somebody who's going to be at that level someday. You know, I think of what you're doing now with with somebody like Dustin, who's going to be destined for that, for a much larger level of fan base than he currently has, for instance, right? Sure. That he could take an enormous cue from you in just how you handle it. You know that you are giving of yourself and but you do realize you're smart enough to realize that it has to be within reason and you're not going to drive yourself crazy um i think the way you handle it is is more than fair and i think that's probably really hard to do I, i try to
1: be um as cognizant as possible of being fair and open i did that recent interview with david jaffe where he basically took over the show and started interviewing me and a lot of people were like he really did yeah. And which is fine. I mean, I, I loved that it. it was yeah, it was great. And people were like, you were so honest and open and candid and vulnerable and stuff. And I think what I did in the moment was and I know I did in the moment was when it was starting to get uncomfortable. And I'm like, I just thought to myself, I ask people to come on these microphones and I ask them hard questions. If people right. listen to the Ryan McCaffrey interview I just did, for instance, I ask him a lot of really hard questions. I put them on the spot. I mean,
2: I got to listen to that one.
1: I, I expect people to be prepared to for that when they come onto the show. And so it would be kind of fucked up for me to be like, well, I'm not I'm not answering any questions about me and my life. I feel like I need to be an open book. I feel part of the relationship we have with the audience. I have you have and the rest of us have with the audience is It is kind of a window into our lives and we can show or not show as much as we want to. I know people that show very little and I know a lot of people that show, I think, way too much. I, it's like you said, though, as long as you calibrate it and hold on to it so that it's through your desires and kind of your I don't know, parameters, if sure. you want to say that. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. So, I mean, over the last week, I've answered probably 250 DMS on Patreon. Wow. Some of them, that's a lot. Some of them are lengthy. Some of them go back and forth. I mean, a lot of deep topics. But I try to really be available like that. And I don't want to ever become too big where that's not possible. Although maybe that does happen. I don't know. It's I like that. People know that I've always been really fascinated. I think Sam Harris and a few other people are like this, where people just email them and like, I know Mike Florio, who covers football, who I really like, does that where people just email and you, they just get into like these massive correspondences. And wow. it's kind of cool to be able to. That's amazing. Reach out and touch someone as it were.
2: So yeah, that level of accessibility is not. I feel like it's not common, but if you can do it, I think you're going to garner a fan base. I mean, people want to be part of a community,
1: you know. It's like pasta sauce or what we would call gravy without the garlic, right? It's it's recognizably pasta sauce, but Without the garlic, it's not very good. And I feel I feel like that's kind of the special ingredient of our of our community is we're podcasting. You can recognize that this is a podcast. You're listening to it or watching it. It is like many other podcasts in form. But the special ingredient, I think, are that not only the people, but the accessibility and kind of the down kind of the the downness, the, the, the good naturedness. I don't feel like we're above it, but maybe in saying that I am, I don't know. But and also, of course, the consistency, I just think that we're so consistent that like a you can just rely on the show. Yeah, I'm proud, very proud of that. Me too. All right, this is kind of a related one, but. Okay. I'm curious how your family and or personal friends have reacted to you doing this show. And you can interpret that however you want. But I, I'm curious, like what has been the response to your three plus years now doing this?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I have to go back to it and just our, our previous conversation just now reminded me of something that did surprise me as a newbie podcasts are coming in in 2017, 2018. And that is, again, just how positive and joyful and constructive a fan base could be. And I think this probably applies to LSM in general, but it certainly applies to the, the, the fan base that I'm closest to or the listenership that I'm closest to, which is Knockback. I can't even believe the level of positivity. You know, the level of negativity versus positivity is so the scale is so unbalanced in our favor that it's almost insane that that kind of community could exist. And I'm so proud, even more proud of us doing the show and our consistency and hopefully our thoughtfulness and our research and hopefully we, you know, we can make you guys smile, give you something to look forward to every week beyond any of that. I think I'm really most proud of the community because it's something that we don't really have any control over ultimately. It's just kind of naturally happened that way. And I'm not sure we have anything to do with it, but if, even if I had the smallest amount to do with that, you know, the nature of, of our listenership and the people involved in, you know, being boosters for us and listening week after week is just unbelievable. So that's been a huge surprise. I didn't know that could even exist. I thought the, the, I thought the sort of nature of positive versus negative would be much more even keeled and I would have to deal with a certain amount of that you know, almost in a 60-40 or maybe even 50-50 dynamic. But it's been unbelievable. Okay, so going back to your question, with fit, with family, with balancing it with friends and all that kind of stuff, and their perception of me as a podcast, Yeah, not even
1: the balance. I mean, if that's part of the conversation that you want to talk about, that's fine. But yeah, just just generally their impressions. I mean, it's interesting to know that people can listen to you without you ever really knowing. I, I That is. I do think about that a lot. I try not to let it determine what I say because I know some of the things I say will offend people that listen to the show but that's just the way it goes sometimes absolutely
2: you have to be true to yourself the nature of how you do it you have to be you have to be true to how you want to do it you know what i mean so for me you know what i probably harkens back to again me being a little private about things but and and this probably kind of coupled with the fact that i'm not really a natural salesman so i don't i didn't try i never tried to push the show I feel like I never tried to push the show or necessarily over publicize the show on anybody. Like for instance, I never really talked about it in my animation community or the animation side of my professional life beyond my closest friends in the, in the industry, whether it's people I was working with at Sesame or people that I've been with in the industry for many years, like my friend Joe or something like that. They know I do podcasting on the side and I sort of moon, you know, quote unquote moonlight or have this other dimension to what I do professionally. But beyond that, I never really went into it. It doesn't mean that people don't find out. One surprise is that people that I work with that might be, you know, colleagues or not in my personal most innermost circle as a professional animator find out about the show and become listeners, which is always a compliment, like editors I work with or something like that who are friends, but certainly not my lunch friends, you know, not my buddies that I go out to lunch with every day or whatever when I'm in the city or whatever. Those people have there's been people that find the show just through osmosis just through word of mouth or seeing you know an odd instagram story or something same with family like helene has an aunt i don't think my in-laws listen to the show regularly but helene has an aunt her mom's sister who regularly listens to knockback and as well as a cousin you i I don't know if you've met justin helene's cousin justin but he's another video he's a gamer and he was a big fan of yours dating back to your Beyond Days and everything. And of course through kind of funny. And he listens to the show. So there's been there has been that crossover despite my sort of hesitancy to, you know, promote or say or tell everybody that is in my immediate periphery to listen to the show or whatever like that. So there is so a lot of it has been sort of I've kept them separate. I've kept those two worlds separate. And I don't I don't really know Why beyond the fact that I feel bad being a salesman? Like I'm just, that's just really not my natural personality. And I think there's probably, if I'm being honest, a part of myself that says like animation, as much as I love it, that's my bread and butter. That's been my living for over 20 years. That's a very specific aspect of my life. And I almost feel protective of podcasting. Like this is for me. And I really want to be a gatekeeper for the people in my life who I let into it. I, because I want it to be a unfiltered, uncensored version of myself where I don't have to worry about you know, my, the professional side as far as being a professional artist working in the entertainment industry. So I think there's probably a little bit of that too, if I'm being honest, if I'm being really introspective. But, I, but it's been, you know, again, like for me, it's a gift because it's been joyful because like I was telling you this the other day via text, like I get two things in my life that I'm passionate about that I get an opportunity to do that aren't work, essentially, you know, like really the typical dream of like having a thing that you do that gets you a little bit of cash that pr- becomes a livelihood that you really, truly enjoy, that you would do even if you didn't get paid for it. So it's really been nice to have two. I think it would be nice in a way to merge the two worlds, but so far I've kept them largely separate.
1: It was 311 that said, uh, I am a music lover and sometimes I get paid. This song would still exist if no money was made. So,
2: well so there said you go. Three, That's per. I could have just said that.
1: Yeah, you could have. Oh, I love that song. So... It's interesting to it's because with me, it's just kind of what I've been doing for so long. I don't I often wonder more generally what people think I even do. I do think (laughs) that there's I do think that there's some people that I think there are some people that think that I don't do anything. Right. And uh, that annoys me. You know, but I'm really having a hard time in my life. And we will talk about this in a little while, I guess, kind of juggling everything that I need to do now, I feel like sometimes I don't work very much. And then I realize like I have these moments where I'm like, well, you don't really work that much. And then I realize, well, actually, you just are constantly it's constant work, like doing things like you. I haven't even had a day off, like I don't like a real day off, like a real day off. I don't know. Very long time. So
2: that's a business owner. That's a true blue business owner that's doing it right. A true entrepreneur, you know, trying that's not. That's not saying like, of course, that's a given. Like, that's hard, man. That's like really, really hard work. Let me flip this on you for a second before you go on. Is there anybody in your life, friend or family that you could think of that doesn't listen to any of your shows that you would like to listen to Sacred Symbols or Knockback or any of your content? Is there somebody who you feel like might enjoy it if they just gave it a chance? Maybe they're older. Maybe they, they don't necessarily even listen to podcasts. A lot of that... I would say anybody older than Gen X that could be off their, you know, just could be completely off their radar, a podcast in general. So is there anybody that you could think of that, you know, maybe you have a little frustration that doesn't listen to the show that would get a better sense of what you do had they, you know, give it a shot?
1: Maybe. I'm often curious in a broader way. A part of me doesn't want anyone to listen to this stuff that I know because... (laughs) it like you said, it's kind of it is for me, but it's for everyone, you know, but it's still for me. Like I need to it's hard to be candid when you know that people that are listening to it know you. I get that. It's kind of just strange, but I know that that happens. I I often think about being on Rogan twice, like how many people that I just saw through some at some point in my life recognized me from that. And that just that's their insight into my life. It's not really accurate. You know, it's not it's not a Full encompassing, it's very myopic and and yeah. strange to when yeah. people only get to see you through that lens and i I've talked about it on the show how I've really gone not I' gone out of my way, but i'm I really don't want my neighbors to know who I am. you know they can know my first name and stuff and we we have cordial relationships. they're very nice people, but I'm nervous about not being able them finding out who I am and then them judging me without ever knowing who I actually am, not the person online. so I think people would benefit from listening to it, but I think for me, the thing that I try to get more is, and I think about Dad in this regard and Uncle Mike as well, is yeah, just more video game central stuff, centric stuff as well. Where I'm like, I want to convince these two people in my life that there's actually something for them here if they would just, if they would just open their mind, especially Dad. But I think Uncle Mike too. I remember having a conversation with him when he was talking about being bored or whatever. He's retired, and there are plenty many people that find video games in their retirement. Uh, a fan of mine who's like an ex cop found video games in the 60s. And he's like a huge wow fan of role playing games and all these different things now. And I was just like, you know, maybe there's something here for you. Like there are sports management games and simulators. And th- it's not just Mario and it's not just even Call of Duty. I mean, these are great games, but it's hard to get people to open their minds to it. And I remember even dad was here a few weeks ago and I showed him Hybroxia too, and and he was impressed by it. But at the same time, like, I know you don't. Really care about this. and yeah. I wish I could make you care about it, not because I want you to, but because I think there's something for you here. And that's that's the bigger frustration for me. Like, I imagine sitting dad or even our stepdad, Larry, or someone in front of civilization on PC and just being like, this is your game. Like, just just look into it. Give it a chance. Yes. You really like it. But that's my bigger thing than my content inside. That's
2: really interesting, man. That would be a very interesting series of Let's Plays. Because there is, there's an, with that generation especially, it could be with anybody, but especially that generation, there is a bit of detachment of just maybe not getting it. You know, I remember that with dad as a, you know, dad was probably what, in his early 30s when we were hooking up the Atari to television. And I remember him just being, you know, it was like, wow, don't you... Like, you know, him hooking it up, helping me with it, taking it out of the box, getting it all set, and then walking away to let me enjoy it, thinking, like, this is the best thing in the world. Don't you want a piece of this? You know, and he was, like, going to go out in the backyard and work on something outside. You know, it was like, there's just a level of detachment where if they were open-minded to it, who knows, you might find something there. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting prospect. Yeah,
1: it's frustrating. Mom's very open-minded about games, which is fun, but she just doesn't have the... It's hard to teach people how to play. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. But especially with sticks and all of that. But it that's my bigger the bigger road road a hoe as it were.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free.
1: Dig, what are the best things about doing the show? If you just quickly think about what what are the be- like what are the things that you don't dread about doing this show? Because mm. there are definitely things I dread about doing all of my shows. I love doing them, but I dread parts of them for sure. It's work. So I, I think I'm not so daisies and roses that I'm gonna be like, this is just always the best. This is always what I want to be doing. And no matter what, I, I feel like. When you have really fun jobs, like you're saying, it's like people would probably mistake you would being like, I dig wants to animate 18 hours a day. He <laughs> loves to animate. It's it's th- I hate that kind of shit. And I think that that's the kind of thing where people do miss a detachment of like where they have a normal, more like punch clocking or uh, clock punching job or something like that, or a more timely job or a more office job, corporate blue collar whatever. It's very unusual to have a job like this. So what are the best things, though,
2: about doing it? It's an awesome question, and I appreciate your honesty. I, you know, it's so funny, man. i You talk about animation, right? It's like yeah, Dagan loves animation. He's passionate. He's always wanted to do it since he was a kid. He always knew this is what he was going to do for a living. And I still like dread assignments. So I mean, there's so many things mixed in, right? OCD, a fear of failure, knowing every everybody discovering that you're a fraud, like all the typical things a creative person goes through that you never really shake even 20 something years into your career. And I'm also notoriously a horrible starter. Like I had to do a storyboard a couple of weeks ago for work and I nearly started crying. I dreaded it so much. I was just like, I don't want it. You know, I was just in that, in that mental flux in that mental state of like, I just don't want to do this today. And literally five minutes in, um, you know, happy. I'm happy as a lark, dude. I'm just like, yeah, I I just have to get over that. It's almost comical. I have to get over that initial three to five minute bump and just get into it and get flowing. And it's so like every time it's like, it's never, I don't think it's ever going to change. I think it's just the nature of who I am with podcasting. It's different though. I don't really feel that. I mean, sometimes it might be a thing where it's like, all right, I got a podcast and you know, it's an afternoon, so I have to like split time with the family or something. You know, it's like, I, I, let me do all this. And then after the podcast, I'm going to make dinner or whatever. Just kind of budgeting in the time. But there, the aspect, the most rewarding aspect of doing the show is that it's always fun. I never don't have a good time with it. I think I'm still relatively new to it. So there's a lot of room for improvement and growth. And that speaks to... You know my perfectionism and my OCD and, and just wanting you know something meaning enough to me to want to get better at to you know I see the target on the horizon and I want to get there I want to get I want to get better at it so that's always very satisfying for me I enjoy that if I didn't have that in the things that I love the most in life I think there would be a big component missing for me so that's always very important to me and there's sort of a two-pronged enjoyment to podcasting. Sometimes it's getting to talk about something that I know a lot about and that I'm very passionate about. Let's say Lord of the Rings or any kind of Star Wars topic. It's like I've always, I, I'll have i delve into those things through the years on my own time anyway. So now I'm getting a chance to talk about it where I don't really have that in my life. Again, it's I can't overstate that I have a wife who has – this much nerd in her. There's nothing. You know what I mean? She has no nerd centric interests, virtually nothing. So it's like, I can't, my best friend in the world, I can't even talk about that kind of stuff with. So that's, this podcast has been hu- hugely cathartic for me because now I get to talk about that with like minded mm. people. And then the other topics that we do, let's say this upcoming Battlestar Galactica, spoilers, right? Or something that I don't know a lot about historically. Now I get to delve into it and research it and find out more about it, which I find very rewarding. You know, I, 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 you kind of get the opportunity to become, on a weekly basis, to become like a little mini master of something if you do the work. And that's a lot of fun. And I find all that accrued knowledge you apply to everything else in your life. You know, everything I find out in one conversation is going to be able to make me a little more articulate in a future conversation. Mm. So those are those are very great and rewarding aspects of doing this week in and week out that, you know, it's like a nonstop source of enjoyment and um, very fulfilling.
1: Well, let me before I even get into my own answer for that, I'll just ask you the antithesis, which is what are the worst things about doing the show? Mm. What are the things that, you know, you don't, don't look forward to or that drag you down I mean it just like any job or any task yeah there's got to be something so what 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 would your answer for that be?
2: I think the worst thing for me is my own self-criticism I'm sure a lot of podcasters go through that I'm sure no matter what you do in life especially if it's something that means something to you you go through that you know where it's like after a podcast particularly one, and thank God this happens less and less for me as I go on, so maybe I am getting better, but just going back and introspectively looking and say, oh, I should have said that, or this was an opportune time for a joke that I completely missed, or where it got bad enough to the point where I stopped listening to the shows. Because the first, probably the first 50 or so episodes I would listen once they posted up on the podcast services. And then I stopped because I thought it was... I thought it stopped being constructive because I was getting really down on myself. Like, oh, you could have done this so much better, whatever. But I have to say the last probably 20 to 25 episodes have been a lot better for me. Not that I've performed perfectly and I certainly make mistakes and certainly kick myself for missing things and all that kind of stuff. But it's been so much better where now it's like if I, if I identify something, it's constructive. And I'm like, all oh, right, well, now you have a chance next week to do this better or say this better or not go on so for so long about this one little thing or you know something where i could just improve the quality of how i'm doing the show but that's historically been a thing for me that was a negative where it was like you know just feeling like getting pretty dejected you know especially right after recording where it's like oh god you you know like you didn't do you didn't do too great this time you know that that type of that type of feeling
1: yeah it's interesting because I think you do a great job, and I also think that you learn as you go on because everyone has those moments, but that you almost have to educate the audience through the show that like, for instance, knockback is not going to be an all encompassing historical lesson on a product. It's often not even going to talk about plot points. Plot, by plot. I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. yeah. So we've kind of designed a show that I look at it as an accompanying piece to something. And so my answers to this are, are a little bit mixed up because The best thing about doing the show is realizing that I was over Because I remember telling you, we actually had a conversation where I was. I feel like I was actually over preparing for a while where I was doing way too much work for none of the stuff was even coming up. I remember doing the Street Fighter two episode, for instance, and being like a fucking encyclopedia about Street Fighter two. But it didn't really matter. It wasn't important. And by the way, there are people that can do that better than me and us. Like if you want like a history blow by blow stuff, there's a bunch of good stuff about that. So if I, as I started to let go of that and stop over preparing, I stopped being so stressed out about performing on the show because as the host, I have to carry the show. I host all the shows I'm on, so I have to carry the show. It's a different thing than being the color guy and um, not, the, not the colored guy. <laughs> and <laughs> it's different being the color guy and being pitched to. I love that. That's the way I, that's what I was on my old shows at IGN and kind of funny. And so being a host is a little bit different. You have to be a little bit more calibrated and prepared in different ways. So I try to focus more of my energy on structuring the show, getting soliciting feedback from the audience and then ordering it. I usually make little notes in my Google Doc about when things come up. I put them in big, bold letters like some keyword will be like, "Okay, this letter is for that. And so I try to organize it like that. And I think the the worst thing about doing the show is just I'm a creative person, and I, I often joke. I mean, writers joke about this all the time. That like no one spends less time writing than writers. Like I write almost never, <laughs> right? Like I don't. I I write seldom. Isn't do I write? Funny? And when I do, it's I'm always like uh, like I always love the the end product, the end result. I'm, I'm we're actually working on a huge patch for Harbocracy 2 right now, and I'm I'm putting a bunch of into it. And I've kind of waited till the last minute just because there's just so many more imminent things that need to be done all the time. And so I'm, I'm taking care of it this weekend and I'm like, oh, man. And but then, like, I look at it and I'm like, this is great. You know, I'm I'm glad that I just thought about this endlessly for two months and then <laughs> I finally wrote it instead of writing it for two months, two months ago. But that's just my way. I think that's a, I, I, not all creatives are built like that, but. I'm a very hard working person and I'm industrious. Time just kind of disappears in my life as yeah. I put my nose down into things. I never intend to do that. And I also never keep my own schedules and I'm trying to be better about that. Not only for like in my own mental schedule, I'm like, I'm going to platinum this game and I never have. I'm going to beat this game. Never am I never, ever on on schedule. And with the shows, I feel like I've been I became too much of a prima donna in my creative days where I was not running things. right. Being like, I'm ready when I'm ready. Kind of. Thing. Yeah. And. Then, and i can't run a, sh- a company like that and i can't i i have to be a ceo and a director as well as the creative person and it's hard to judge all those things part of me wishes that someone else could run the company but it's my company so i i need to run it myself so that's probably the worst part about doing it is that i just can't be creative i need to balance everything but figuring out that i was almost worrying too much about some of these topics and like over preparing for yeah. them was when in reality, I could have gone into that Street Fighter two conversation with no preparation because I played that game for so many hours in it. life that I could have just talked about it and and realizing that was was serendipitous. But I agree with you. I love it reminds me of college a little bit or whatever, where I love being prepared for things. Like yeah. I love knowing what to say, not that I need to cover everything, but I keep very concise notes as I go through things and just know exactly what I want to say. So it's not beat by beat. And I, I like the way we structure our shows typically around character. Yes. And all of those Me actors too. events. I think that's much more interesting than like first this happened. What do you think? I, I don't listen to any shows like that, but I know that they probably exist. And, that's, oh, sure. and I know that people people want that sometimes. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I just think that's so boring. I, if we do an episode about topic X and it's really just about the culture of topic X or really just about this one actor in topic X or whatever. I mean, that's a pretty worthwhile episode to me. So absolutely.
2: You're a master at helming the show. I mean, people could learn a lot. I mean, I certainly observe that because it is a different. Tell me more. It's a it's a whole different beast yeah. to slay what you do. The chair you sit in is a lot different than the chair I sit in or Dustin sits in or Chris sits in. It's you know, it's a whole different animal. And, you know, I think, you know, it's so. It's so rewarding to watch you do it and knowing that it is a different discipline, you know, and that you, you have, a different, you have a, a different sort of managerial role in doing that. And it's really nice also to hear your perspective on being that guy, you know, and to hear your honest assessment of that and your honest take on that, to hear that you miss sitting in the color chair, because that really is the place where you get to be the most creative and be saddled with the less amount of responsibility in many ways not right. that it's not not that it's not work too but you know what I mean it's like you know it's a whole different it's a whole different ball of wax but uh yeah I mean it's you know I I was telling you this the other day like I'm learning a lot by watching you do that and well thank you anybody I think anybody that's into podcasting could learn you know it's a it's a master class really
1: I, I think it's I think just being able to conduct a conversation I'm surprised by how few people seem to be able to do it staying out of someone's way letting them speak i mean even when we couldn't see each other i still feel like people would be surprised by how little the shows were edited you just there's a cadence to things and yes. i don't understand people cross talking and i know i save my interjections like when i was saying you know tell me more about like when you were complimenting me i try to save those kinds of interjections because those things are annoying when you hear them often uh, over and over again you want to I love some of the shows like I listen to National Reviews podcast and a few others where they just let people roll for like 10 minutes just talking about a topic. And I think it's great pontificating almost. That's kind of what we're doing here. And so I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy it. And yeah, being being color is is different. It's a totally different thing. But I will say that when I was at IGN, I'd often roll into Podcast Beyond or like a show or GameScoop or whatever totally unprepared because it's just like, well, we're going to talk about the things that we're talking about. I I probably wrote the story that we're talking about. I don't really need to. I don't really need to prepare. And it is different now. And I will say for Sacred Symbols, especially that show is all preparation. I think people are really impressed with how that show flows and how much how much information is in that show and how much knowledge comes from that show. But you have to understand that I spend all day the day before writing it. And that's like my Wednesday is my worst day of the week. That's a lot of work. So I dread Wednesdays Dread. It. Oh,
2: man, that's kind of that's hard. when
1: I go to all the sites. And I start opening up all the different tabs of all the stories and I start writing them and reducing them. And
2: it takes a long time. So you're talking to knowledgeable, very some very knowledgeable, avid gamers in that show. So yes. to bring something to the conversation, it's got to be difficult. It makes me nervous just thinking about that.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Sometimes it's not, enough. you know, sometimes it's not enough for some of the audience. You know that right now they're disappointed with my takes on Returnal, but they can eat shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dave. let me ask you this. I was curious about this. I was going to ask you this earlier, but I feel like it fits in better now. Were you turned on to any topics because of the show? Like it doesn't have to be like you'd never heard of this thing before. I don't think there's anything like that. But was there a specific topic or series of topics or whatever, or maybe realm that we delve into once in a while where that draws you towards things that you're most unfamiliar with. I know that there's a lot of PlayStation or more contemporary gaming stuff. Is that all or is there anything else
2: there? I mean, certainly the more contemporary video games that we've covered. The Last of Us, you know, uh, horizon, Zero Dawn, Resident Evil Two remake everything we've done, Far Cry three. Those are games that I'm so glad I got to play and experience. And that, honestly, I probably would have never gotten to, had we not had the opportunity to do those things with Knockback, where it becomes like now you you got to play this because you're going to talk about it. Every and really, I've been so fortunate. Now we've played some classic classic games, BioShock, you know, BioShock Infinite, you know, Dead Space. I mean, games that were we haven't played a bad game yet. <laughs> Every game was like, wow, I'm so glad yeah. I got to this game. So that's been that's been really wonderful. That's been amazing. And I'm trying to think of any kind of what other topics sort of threw me into a state where it was like, you know, put me off on a path of wanting to sort of, you know, get more, you know, to sort of taken more of that thing i don't know that i could think of one off the top well i am
1: putting you on the spot so i mean we we didn't i didn't give dagan these questions so
2: yeah no but i mean certainly the first thing that comes to mind is every every play every playstation game we've done so far Yeah, you
1: played some classics bioshock dead space the last of us horizon so good um, and some good ones on the way too definitely we have some great ones on the
2: way i love doing those shows because people really like to hear them and so you could even you could even boost up your preparation and, you know, the things you want to say because, you know, people are going to be tuned in, which is really which is really kind of neat. It's a nice, a nice little tip off. Those are the shows that always do the best for us. Obviously, Colin's from coming from a, a PlayStation expertise that he's, you know, known for the world over. So that's that's interesting, I'll, I'll but well, I'll come. If I think of something else, I'll yeah. come back to it. Yeah, think about it.
1: I just wrote down for my brief answers that one topic I'm really glad we did was Earthbound, which was a topic that you selected because I had played that game as a kid, but I don't I don't I didn't really like it. It was like a rental or something, and it's so well regarded. And I'm glad we did it not to be negative because I don't think it's very good. And it kind of removed that little what if from my mind, very similar and actually a much it's much more substantial Earthbound, but recently I sat down and finally beat Wild Arms three. It took like 120 hours of my life. Wow. And and it was horrible. I mean, I'm not horrible, but it's a bad game. I, I just I needed to just remove it from my head. I've just been thinking about it for years and Check I just off. knew I needed to just remove it. Yep. And Earthbound is not as bad as Wild Arms three, but it just it has this interesting community around it and this zeitgeist with the mother games and kind of isolated in Japan. And I was just really happy you put that on there because especially because I remember seeing it and being oh fuck because (laughs) this is a huge game. Now, I played it with a (gasps) walkthrough because I didn't have I, I, I think it still took like 40 hours or whatever. But that was a topic that I was really glad we covered and came to mind for me. And the other topics that I'm glad we covered, I wrote down a few were just I like the animation topics because they're easy. They're easier for me and they and in the sense that I know that no one gives too much of a shit. What I have to say, I get to learn more about the topics we're talking about. And I've seen everything that we've covered before. It's not like you introduced me to The Little Mermaid. Oh, you actually probably did. But you didn't introduce <laughs> me this time to The Little Mermaid. <laughs> right. We did right. a really thoughtful episode about it. And I I came out learning and knowing so much more. And especially when we did, you know, Ghibli stuff with Totoro and Spirited Away and we did Akira, which was a, a, show, a movie we watched over and over again as kids and I remember you talking about like the the locomotion of the animation and that really great scene of Akira pushing his bike and all like, there's just a lot of, of thoughtful stuff like things that it's very similar to what you said earlier. I can find interest like you were saying with Dick Cabin and Pete and um, I was gonna say Pete Rose. No, uh, Charlie Rose. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame, but Charlie, Charlie Rose and others where it's just almost anything can be interesting. I feel the same way when I listen to Lex Friedman and, and all these other guys where they just have all these very smart people talking about things usually way above my head. And so that's kind of like how I feel. I appreciate cartoons and I appreciate animation, but I don't tend. I don't tend towards them. I never really have. Like, I've always chosen live action for some reason. It's very similar to this situation we were talking about where I just don't even understand how to read comic books. Like, I just don't get what I, was <laughs> quote. I don't know, like. You know, you're we talking about like I'm reading it and I'm like, so am I now, am I now supposed to enjoy the art? Am I supposed right. to stare at, this, frame, like, at this, this cell? Right. So it's kind of cool to come out come in and as kind of a, an idiot in this regard. I always call myself a Luddite with technology, which is not really true. But there are certain things that I enjoy where like I'm like, wow, Castlevania or Attack on Titan is really beautiful. But I just don't watch this stuff very often. So to sit with an expert like a bona fide expert, which is, I think, where you're where your whole potential rests, I think, as like a huge... You have like all of this potential as a commentator. And it comes through most when you talk about animation.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Kyle. It means a lot to me. But I have to yeah. say, you really surprised and delighted me on all those animation topics. I could spe- think of specific ones. Little Mermaid was one. Akira was another. Where your, your observations were so on point, And the things that you noticed... And the things that you took the time to sort of suss out and everything like that was really impressive. I mean, I, you know, I was going toe to toe with another person who knew exactly what they were talking about. So, you know, that was, you know, that was not that I'm surprised that you could do that. I think you you probably have the intelligence to do that with anything. If you just take, if you just sort of made the effort. But those are always great conversations because, you know, you were right there with me noticing things that I didn't notice, which was really, you know, really sweet.
1: No, I appreciate that. And it reminds me a lot of making games, how... And probably for your animation as well, if you put it in front of a test audience or your bosses or whatever, and they and they just find something immediately that's wrong with it, that is wrong with it. But that you've done, you've looked at it for so long. It's the same thing. Like I let outsiders play Hybroxia too, like people that don't play video games. And we learned a lot about what we should do, like how how the tutorial is confusing and all oh, this cool. stuff. And we fixed it because that's like fascinating because like mom couldn't figure out the tutorial, you know, like she couldn't figure out how to skip it. A, a Barry's friend couldn't figure out the tutorial or like it's too hard. But it's because these people don't play games. They and they gave us the most insightful feedback. Very so, smart. It's interesting to do that sometimes. Very cool. They which topics topic or topics do you mm. think we covered best? Mm. Does, do any come to mind for you that you feel like, wow, we really. Cleaned up on this, because I must say that I come on, I come away I'm surprised like how self critical you are because I almost always I'll give I'll bring up one episode in a little while where that wasn't the case, but yeah. Where I always come away being like, that was great. And and the episode that comes to mind for me, the first well, not the first time, but one of the episodes where I'm like, that was awesome was the episode one episode we did. Oh, wow. Your That's house. cool. That was fun. That where I was like, that was a that was the first time we ever crossed three hours. I don't think it's necessarily important to have a long podcast. The podcast is always as long as it needs to be, but I felt like that was one of the most fun and mechanical and just really joyous podcast that i'd ever done and it felt you you brought the word catharsis before it was totally cathartic to finally really get it out that's awesome i love that episode always
2: sticks sticks out to me oh that that that, that means
1: a lot to me man
2: i gotta go back and listen to that one now because i forgot about that one and that that would be a candidate for a good one for sure i think of a recent one that we did i thought the blade runner topic was really cool it's fresh in my mind still i guess i thought we did a good job with that of a topic that's kind of hard to talk about in a lot of ways and and, and also is polarizing And an older piece of media certainly something older in our whole canon and you know I think I think two things again because and these are kind of cop outs in a way but the PlayStation topics I always feel like are good they're always anchored by somebody you know with you who knows exactly what they're talking about and has historical sort of connection already to those things and then you have on the other side you complement that with a newbie who's brand new to this, oftentimes brand new to the franchise, but certainly brand new to the game. And I think those two dynamics in one conversation makes could, could certainly, hopefully, make for a very interesting conversation, all told, which I think we've always done. And I, I always take the PlayStation topics very seriously because they're games that I miss. They're oftentimes very historically relevant for gaming and for nerd culture, and also because I know who I'm talking about it with. So I got to come in heavy, you know what I mean? Because it's going to be, and people are going to have their ears pricked to it. So I think we've always done a great job with those, hopefully, and the Star Wars conversations. Because not only because are we so connected to that franchise over through the years, but we both have a lot to say. Sometimes the people chagrin about those topics, but there's certainly no, you know, there's certainly no deficit of... Talking points when Colin and I are talking about Star Wars, so I think those are built in. Hopefully, at least, even if you don't agree, hopefully they're engaging conversations. So those would be the two sort of umbrellas that I would first think about, and then of course we talk about. Well, you may want to get to this. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop there.
1: No, I mean I, I was just going to say like I think some of the strangest episodes are the ones that. Well, let me back up. People like the ones that are about events like. We just did the one about the woods, which some people were saying was like their favorite episode. That's amazing. Or the one we, the one I think the first one we ever did like that or one of the first one was the early Internet and we did one about video stores. So those are always really fun. But I also think the really offbeat ones are fun. I thought the Grey Gardens episode was really funny I and like interesting. And I think about Rosemary's baby being another good episode. That the was Dracula fun. episode about which was the first I think the second episode we ever did about a book. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. And I think more recently we did a real I thought we did a really nice job with Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings,
2: Lord of the Rings. I thought yeah, we did a really we nice got job to go with in that yeah. and sort of break it out because that was one of the ones that we pulled together initially. Now we were able to go back, even though that was the books that we were talking about initially, we got to go in and pull one out and go one by one like we should have.
1: I don't know if you want to speak about this. I will bring up an episode specifically. I have no problem doing it. But do you think there are any topics that we that we didn't cover well?
2: Well, I want to hear what you have to say. I you know. Th- so many times especially in, like like i was saying earlier on i would walk away you know sort of lamenting my my performance specifically and being like oh like you could have you could have really risen to the occasion or you could have it was never i have to say it was never a lack of preparation it was just the nature of the conversation and i wasn't getting out the things that i wanted to say and it was you know it was you know it didn't go as well as I wanted to go. But I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about that, because, you know, it's it's all it's all constructive and it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to be self-critical. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I, I think it's really important. And if you have your head in the sand, that's that's outrageous. So we, we would never do that. But yeah, I, I think generally we do a really good job. I the one episode there really is only one episode where I remember being like, this isn't good enough. And it was the Caddyshack episode. Oh, and I okay. remember I remember that episode because it was early. I'm looking to see when it was. It was really early. It was.
2: Yeah. How early was that one?
1: Must have been two. maybe it wasn't
2: that early. It wasn't that early, I don't think.
1: But oh, here it is. uh, November
2: 2018. So relatively
1: started or whatever. And it's only 79 minutes long. And I remember recording that episode because it was when we we used to do eight or ten at a time, which we stopped. And I think that was the best thing we could have done for the show. It was just not tenable to keep doing it that way, where we would meet up in person and It was fun and it was a nice excuse to see everyone, but it was very difficult to do that way. And I remember actually recording that and being like, I don't. I can't believe we're not saying more about Caddyshack. Like, this is one of my favorite movies, and I think we were just tired and we weren't getting much out of it. I remember sitting back down later and recording another piece of it, which we put at the end, if you remember that, about Rodney Dangerfield.
2: I forgot about that.
1: So I um, that's the one episode where I'm like, I just feel like it wasn't good enough. Were we in
2: LA recording that one? Yeah. We were. Okay. It's funny that you say that now. And I should have remembered this, but I remember your frustration while we were recording it. And that was probably the only time I felt that from you, where it was like, I could sense that you were getting frustrated as we were having the conversation. And, you know, a lot of it was probably in large part due to me, but I remember feeling like, I remember feeling like I have all these... I have all these notes. I don't know why it's not coming out right. Like I remember talking about Harold Ramis and then, and the nature of that brand of comedy and the sort of improv that they came out of and having all, and of course Rodney Dangerfield and having all this background texture to the conversation. But still, despite all of those things, it was just one of those cases where it was like, it just wasn't clicking, you know, but I do. That's one, that's one time where I remember you, you know, feeling like, you know, he's not, he's not pleased with the way this is going and yeah that was you know that what I, I do give us a shot in the arm for that because whether we were in LA or whether we were in Philly recording those chunks you know those blocks of, of episodes on like a three or four day span was difficult you yeah. know that was it there was not the most I and I didn't know this at the time we didn't know this at the time but it wasn't the most ideal way to do it now that we record one a week and it's easy breezy you know, an easy peasy lemon squeezy,
1: yeah, and all that stuff. It's a, it's go.
2: a lot. It's a lot better. But you know, we, uh, I'm proud. Of, you know, th- that episode aside, I'm proud of our efforts during. You know, because we really made it happen against all odds. You know.
1: Yeah, it, it, there are no well, with the exception of the first dad episode there are no lo- truly lost episodes of knockback that's and actually right. i'd have to go back on my old computer but that episode's not technically lost either it's just really bad audio and i was so mad i never get really mad at myself i'm like I, can- I was like i cannot believe you were that so I fucked up. I w- which is why it's always nice to have a producer or tech guy to <laughs> everything
2: and not to add
1: insult to injury But that was a really good conversation. No, it was. It sucked. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't believe because I've been part of that before where other people are responsible. So it's always like, well, it's okay, but you're really mad at them. And so I was like, I got to be. I always talk about being that guy. Everyone has to be that guy. It's just the nature of cycling in the world. You just it's your time. (laughs) Absolutely. So. On that note, Dave, I guess my ninth question, I'm almost done here, is what which topic should be done again? I, I feel like. There are topics that need to be done again. And yes. my I really you know, it's an episode actually or a series of episodes that I should have brought up as the topics we covered best. We did Breaking Bad very well. Yeah. And I feel like those episodes, those three episodes for Breaking Bad are awesome. And to be able to we're going to do that with so you had already brought it up, but we're going to do that with Battlestar as well. We're going to do three episodes of that as well. So we'll do the mini-series in season one. Then we'll do season two, which is the best season most people would consider all by itself. Then we'll do season three and Razor which I love Razor. I love that whole movie. It's awesome. And then we'll do season four in the plan, which is the prequel. And so I feel like that's going to be really fun. And when I look back at the things that we can do again, I'm like, well, we need to do Mad Men again, but it oh, needs God. to be one season per episode. We need to do Seinfeld again. We need yes. to do The Sopranos again. And so it kind of sucks because we have to go. But it's kind of fun, too, because I, I I should have said this earlier, one of the frustrating things about doing this show or one of the things that I have to kind of think about is managing, like you said earlier, managing my time. Specifically, for instance, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition just came out on PS4. and I'm like, you know, I'd really like to play those again. We just played Mass Effect and did that last week. Another game we did. And I'm like, you know what? I can't play this now because I know eventually we're going to get to Mass Effect 2 and I have no time to I have to just wait until that comes. Right. Yes. Like I I won't replay games anymore because I have to kind of make room for those things. So it is unfortunate that we have to kind of go back and or have to in quotes go back. But it will be fun to really analyze and get into some of these shows. And so I think those are the specific topics that need to be done again. I don't think that there's anything else outside of television shows where I'm like, we should just do that topic again. Even Caddyshack, I just I feel like, you know what? That's the Caddyshack episode. But if it was like more of like the like you said, Harold Ramis episode or a Rodney Dangerfield episode, then we would do it again, I think, because it would be a little bit deeper. So that's how do you feel point. about? Yeah. How do you feel about the topics we should do again?
2: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the huge ones, especially in so far as television, Sopranos, Mad Men, Seinfeld. Of course, we have to break those out seasonally, especially because those are some of our favorite things, right? So we'll be de- definitely doing those. We've already started with Lord of the Rings. Now we're doing the films, but we're going to single them out one, one by one, which is, you know, really that's that's cathartic for me because, you know, again, we didn't know. And one thing that's really fun is we learned our lesson for future things that we're going to top, you know, cover that are also favorites like The Wire. You know, we know we have to go seasonal right. with a show like that
1: because. Right. Or Lost or things Lost like that. We'll, is we'll a, eventually get to it, yeah. huge one.
2: That's a huge one, and you know, I would argue. I don't know how you feel about this. We're talking about feature films, is we did we lumped all of the Indiana Jones films right. together. That's another one we have, have to do. Which are worth those again. singling out. Yeah, we got to absolutely. You know, and then we have smaller ones that are maybe you know you could argue less important, like Back to the Future and Karate Kid, which are certainly worth breaking apart and you know and doing them one by one. But I would start with with Indiana Jones, especially you know because you have those first three films that are.
1: Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. It's funny because at the time, like you said, we didn't know. We learned. Oh, yeah. About how the show would work and about how to manage the conversations best. It's amazing that we thought it was appropriate to have a one conversation about Mad Men. But at the time, that didn't seem weird at all. In fact, I don't think anyone even listening thought it was weird. But it was (laughs) it was later on when we started. I, I really think Breaking Bad last year was the the sign of like this is how this show needs to cover television and you're right i mean indiana jones is a must i can't believe again i love those movies and so do you it's like what were we doing why would we even think that those movies should be talked about at the same time it doesn't even make any sense but at the time i'm telling you guys like
2: we didn't even think twice about it didn't even blink an eye you know, do we think like Raiders of the Lost Ark was not going to have enough talking points for two hours? Why would we think that? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't know. <laughs> but we do And I could talk about Temple of Doom forever. Oh, so. my God, me too. So we'll get to those. I think you're right. I think you're totally right about that. And we've tried to kind of rectify that. We didn't do like all the Godfather films or anything. So we're trying to. Good point. We're trying to like break those things out as we go. No, absolutely. And, and Dave, I guess this kind of is my last question for you, which is, well, what do you want? The, what do you want for the future of the show? I feel like. The show is three plus years old now. I don't feel like it's ever going to end. There's no end date to it. That was my original question was like, when do you see the show ending or how do you see the show going away? But the the ironic thing is, is that I feel like it's always sunny in Philadelphia ish where maybe the show stops one day, maybe like Dagan becomes very busy or I become very busy or there's just and we go away. But I feel like the show will always exist and percolate and come back. So my my want for the near future for the next few years, at least, is to continue to do it every week as long as we can. But then to always kind of keep it on the shelf, I feel like when things used to go away, they were gone. Mm. And I feel like that's not the expectation anymore, even with like Friends is coming back right to HBO Max or whatever. Yes. And I think it's just like a one off reunion. But it just goes to show you like everything is in play and The expectations of things just going away and never coming back are are dead. They're gone. That's why I think Always Sunny is so funny because they're open about that. They're like, maybe we won't do a season for like five years, but we're always going to we're going to come back and like, you
2: know, that's very that's very smart approach, I think, too, because it speaks to being fresh, you know, maybe kind of reloading, recharging, getting your creative juices flowing again if you need to. Um, not that we've ever felt like that with the show yet, but it's an interesting model. I think it's very thoughtful. And there's something really kind of fun and meta about a retro and nostalgia show becoming retro and nostalgic. That's also really that's kind yeah, of a definitely. fun thought. Absolutely. But you know, I you know, I see there's so much I mean, it's sort of evergreen in the fact of the things we could talk about. Whether we're talking about movies classic movies, television, these direct to Netflix series. I mean, think about Stranger Things ending, then we got a whole we got all this other ammunition, you know, we got a full clip there. Video games, our our own personal storytelling topics which so I'm so I'm always so glad to hear people respond to those because I'm those are always worrying because it's like you're relying on your own experiences and your own storytelling abilities to basically carry the show for a couple of hours. So it's all on you, you know, it's not even on the content or the media that you're talking about. It's on you at that point. So the fact that people enjoy those is really, um, you know, kind of tickles me a little bit. I kind of like that, but you know, I don't, it's funny with knockback. It's never, you know, it's like anything could happen. Things get busy. You got a giant media company. I got a career, but it hasn't been to the point yet where I feel like I see an end on the horizon, you know, but you know, being open to keeping it, you know, to keeping it as good as we can make it is both, you know, is very important to both of us. So it's kind of exciting to -hmm. know, you know, not know exactly what the future holds and just know that people continue to enjoy it. And it seems like it's always, it's very slowly, you know, rolling and finding new audiences and picking new listenership up along the way. And, you know, very, I shouldn't say slowly, I would say steadily, you know, and that's been fun you know, hearing from new people that say I finally gave knock back a chance and, you know, it's great. And I, I, you know, jumped into the back catalog and I'm, you know, slowly catching up. And people that do that from episode one and do catch up, you know, it's like, holy shit. Wow. Like you, you just listened to me for 200 hours. Like that's yeah, it's awesome. God bless you.
1: You know? <laughs> know, holy shit. You must be really bored. No, I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I think the only other things I want for the show are. I want us to get back to Let's Plays. I think we're going to do that when we can. That's going to and be fun. That will probably be the summer. And I do ultimately want to go back to the island and we'll bring Dustin with us. And it would be fun to just have like record it, like just us recording, going to like Bellport High School and going to Squasics and going, very cool, you know, like th- that kind of stuff and just having all. And of course, I really do want to go dig up the tape and talk to the people that live at our old house now and stuff. But just going home and just walking around and just being like this is this is where like all of the stuff that we're talking about is so you can visualize it now this is like the high school this is the football oh this dude is, that would be so you know, this is Bellport village this is where we used to skate this is where we used to go to the beach just you know, i think that'd
2: be cool so oh my god i would love it i think people would hopefully people would really enjoy that to have that little companion piece like a little short so. film maybe even yeah got me thinking now you got the wheels turning the gears Good. are grinding in there
1: my gears are starting to slow down now because of this covid vaccine so <laughs> just in the nick of time here Dave, should we end with a
2: dad joke yeah absolutely and feel better
1: thank you I'm gonna I don't know. feel I just feel so hazy I, I actually feel kind of blessed because I know a lot of people were like really
2: yeah they got I just hit feel hard a little with that I second. just feel a little
1: funny you know I just feel a little funny
2: right I'm now. hearing that like the second vax knocks people out. You know, I know a guy, God forbid, I think I was saying this on an earlier podcast a couple of weeks ago, like that got sick in between the two shots with COVID. That's crazy. So God forbid that happens.
1: He's extra immune now. That's just. Did you not see the uh, Mike and I were laughing because I always love Florida man stories. Did you see the, the Florida man story about the guy that got both vaccines like accidentally got like, you know, it was like Florida man gets one dose of each vaccine. No. And it's just like a picture of a dude. And he got like one Moderna and one Pfizer. What happened or to him? I think he just accidentally like got the wrong <laughs>
2: imploded
1: (laughs) I don't but I don't think anything bad happened I just think it's I I love Florida man stories that's like a really good one that's a very sophisticated
2: Florida man story that's got it that's happened on more than one occasion let's face it no doubt people have gone and got them all on purpose let's be honest you know like just got the J&J then got the two they got the two I know some stupid
1: motherfuckers like there's no there's no doubt that there's some chicanery going on
2: (laughs) All right, my friend. Yeah. I have a great dad joke. I want to say it for next week because it's going to be a prop joke. Oh, okay. Our first dad prop joke. from Wow, from you're like listening. a carrot
1: top. <laughs> Gallagher. Cool.
2: All right, Kyle. But we'll, we'll, we'll relinquish ourselves to this one for now. Kyle, what's something that has five toes that isn't your foot? No, no, no. My foot. <laughs> Dumb. I got that one from an insta uh, from a Twitter DM, so thank you very much. I won't your take pla- credit. Your plagiarism
1: continues. <laughs> you won't take credit, but you'll just say it came from Instagram. That's <laughs> like say. the worst kind of credit. It's like okay, Twitter. Cool. I think this was a Twitter. One. I think it came from social media somewhere. Thanks. Come
2: from social media. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, Dave. Well, thanks for your time. I hope uh, you and the family are doing well, and thank and you, my uh, friend. we'll be back for more topics on our normal schedule. I assume. Have a good day. Thank- Get thank rest. You. Plenty of fluids. I will. I'm drinking a lot of my water and I got to go not right for the rest of the day. And so thank you all out there for your love, kindness and support of our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit of a catch up as it were, as I recover from getting a shot. And uh, we hope that it's like I'm recovering from getting shot. It's a little bit dramatic, actually, but (laughs) well. But it, it it is. I, feel I won't like judge. I, if, I can't. If I you guys know anything. how I feel right now, just how funny I feel right now. It's just it's very strange. I'm, I'm glad I didn't go off the deep end <laughs> on this episode, although we would have edited it out probably if I did. Uh, but thank you all out there for your love, kindness and support. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash last media. Early ad free access to the show. Exclusive podcasts, etc. cetera. Name in the credits. You know the drill. We'll see you next time. Until then. Goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, F.M.A., Jorge Palomino, Enrique Perez, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hyland Ruley, Corbin Dallas, Lou Ten, Nett Lipton, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Evan Barr, Talisman, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukem, William Holber, Chris Bustin, Josh, Charles Koslevy, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, and Unofficial Controller Podcast, Ethan Davis. Jay Getter, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Jody Pack, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadeth, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Matt Martin, Kinnamz, Adam Barnes, Jonathan H., Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B., Andy Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Ollie Fritz, Chris Buston, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Neyman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., D.B. Cooper, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Hofel, Tophel- Eldian, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVayo, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Travis Arcoletta, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Ray Leja, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Matthew Cooper, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joey Andrzech, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, William, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Brinkley, Betty Ann Moriarty, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixie, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Matt Hazelbaker, Todd Paxton, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Madmock Media, Jonathan Rice, and casual misfits gaming. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure
2: you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh, oh, oh,